And why wouldn't you be obsessed with Norway? It's the nation that holds the greatest amount of cross-country skiing gold medals. Hello and welcome to Spirits of the Law, a podcast for those who find themselves called to the bar. I'm your host, Matthew Naylor, and today I am joined, as always, by Sarah Lehman, the founder of the Sarah Lehman Law Group. Hello, Sarah. Hello. And one of my colleagues. Very Denise. exciting. Yes, this is very, very exciting. Also, our first non-Albertan to oh, appear on the podcast. Very exciting. Wow. Puneet Klar. Hello, Puneet. Oh. Hey, Matthew. <laughs> so, Kenita and I are both articled students here at the Sarah Lehman Law Group. Yes. Uh, which is a fantastic place to article, uh, <laughs> he said, in front of his boss. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. It's pretty good. Yes. Uh, you guys don't get abused too much. No. Not too much. I can't Not complain. Too much. I can't complain. Can't complain. And, yeah. and, you know, I probably deserved it. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, today we get to raise our glass and say skull. Skull? Close enough. Okay. (laughs) S-K-A-L, which is basically uh, Scandinavian for cheers. Oh, I wonder Uh, if that's where they get it from Australia then. Because, you know, in Australia, you as everyone here has studied in Australia, so we spent some time abroad. And I remember that any time we would raise our glasses for a toast, Australians would yell, skull! And that meant drink as fast as you can. Oh, that explains a lot. So uh, the first thing that we are going to be (laughs) drinking today is a Parallel 49 uh, offering. It is the first Bjorn Norwegian table beer. And you will notice perhaps a theme that will carry us through this episode. Uh, there will be a lot of Norway. Yes, Matthew, uh, we just learned, is a big fan of Norway. Yes. And in fact, um, you're wearing some pretty interesting pants right now. Do you want to describe those for our listeners? Uh, so I am wearing some Norwegian curling pants uh, popularized by the Norwegian curling team at the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. They are Norwegian flag colored, Norwegian flag patterned, uh, red, white, and blue, red background, uh, Nordic cross, you know, blue bordered in white. Fancy pants. Heraldry. Uh, so, so uh, today is, of course, uh, the 17th of May, which, for those of you who are not Norwegian, uh, is also known as Setnemai, which is Norwegian for the 17th of May. Oh. Uh, but it is the day that Norway gained independence from those evil Swedes uh, after two plebiscites in both countries voted like overwhelmingly to sever the union of the crowns. Well, I think we can skull to that. Yes. So. All right. So should we crack this one? This is the Phillips Brewing and Malting Company first Bjorn Norwegian table beer. Oh, so. oh, oh Bjorn, Bjorn, first Bjorn. I'm not, my accent's not great, but my cracking abilities are. So here we are. I'm going to pour a little bit for everybody. Now, Matthew, you've had this before. Yes. Slightly earlier today. Okay. All right. Excellent. While on the clock. So. Can you give us some background information on this? Like, what is a Bjorn? Uh, a Bjorn is a name in Norway. All, all, it's just uh, just a play on words. It's like the first Bjorn. Firstborn. Firstborn. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but it's made with basically Norwegian yeast. It's a low alcohol beer. It's 3.5%. Uh, it is a farmhouse ale. Uh, it's made with some yeast that was brought over from basically the roof of a Norwegian brewery. Okay. Uh, and it is described as having orange and floral esters in a balanced ale with a dry finish. All right. So well, tell me what you think. Skull. 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 Are the esters balanced? Um, I'm not sure yet. I think I need to try it a little bit more. It's okay. What do you think, Puneet? Yeah, I, d- I don't know if I would pick this again to drink. Yeah. But it it's doable. It's like yeah. It's like a Rattler without the fruit. It's like a mm-hmm. it's like a less acidic Rattler. It is. Um, that's what it's missing. It's missing the fruit. I think for me. 
But I do like the can, I'll say that. The can is the can is quite champion. I, I really like the kind of set of mid-century Nordic designs that harken back to some older Nordic motifs, including the uh, Dala horse, Ooh. which is the national toy of Sweden. And also I had one when I was growing up, but it was oh. in Norwegian colors. Uh, it's, you know, a tiny wooden horse. Very cute. And uh, there's a long ship with a giant creepy eye floating above it. Love the eye. Uh, and some plants. It's aesthetically pleasing mm -hmm. all around. I'd say the same. I think it's a can that you would definitely pick up because it has some sort of an aesthetic appeal and it's just very on trend. Yeah. But I don't know if I would actually drink the beer again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can have one and then I think that I'm done with this. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a little heavier. It's a little, it's a very, I wouldn't say that the finish is dry so much as bready. Yeah, and at, what's the alcohol percentage in this Only again? 3.5. Yeah, for 3.5% alcohol, I don't think that the payoff is there for me to drink a beer. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. I agree. But we'll get through it. And we'll get through it while we discuss some interesting Norway news bites. Yeah. So, <laughs> so some Norwegian news bites. Uh, basically, we're going to start off, uh, you know, in a in a petro-state characterized by mountains and uh, ruled over by... Vikings? A, uh, no, a monarch. And oh, okay. That uh, gained independence in 1905. But we have to keep it topical to Canada, so oh, we talking, are going to tie it back in. Are we talking about Canada right now? I'm talking about Oh, Alberta. we're talking about Alberta! All oh, right, that. I here we go. Here we go. Okay, good. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> Both Norway and uh, Alberta are major oil producers. They both are monarchies. They both have mountains. Uh, the only thing that differentiates the two of them, I mean, there are a couple, but uh, one, Norway has rats, mm -hmm. and two, Norway has a coastline. Yes, those and, are two distinctions. And that is the uh, nexus of our first topic, uh, Norway rats, the rat patrol, and Jason Kenney's attempt to bludgeon his way to Tidewater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when you first pitched the Norway episode to me, I was not on board with it. But since we've now kind of tied it back into Alberta and made it Canadian content again, I think that this is such a great thing to talk about um, because a lot of people don't even realize that Norway rats are a thing and they're not a thing in Alberta. No, they are not. So, Puneet, we made you do a bunch of reading all of a sudden right before the podcast. <laughs> what, what did you think as the, you know, first and only non-Albertan on the show so far? Uh, what did you think of the rat-free Alberta program of the 1950s? Were you surprised, actually? I, was, I was surprised, but my first thought was, who cares? Like, does it really matter that they don't have rats? And is it that big of an advantage to them that they don't? Spoken as a true non-Albertan. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the, the, the answer to the question, who cares, is every Albertan. Mm -hmm. Like, Albertans take a ton of pride in their rat-free status. Uh, they kind of grew up, like, I definitely grew up, and sorry, I don't know about you, but, like, I remember hearing about Alberta's rat-free status in, like, elementary school mm -hmm. and how it's, like, such a point of pride for Alberta to be rat-free and about how we have this noble rat patrol that goes up and down the Saskatchewan border poisoning things. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely heard about that as well, except I wasn't really buying it, and I swear, I swear, I have seen a rat in Alberta. I, I saw one scurrying through a back alley in Calgary when I lived there doing my undergrad degree, and I... Don't care how many people tell me I didn't see a rat. I saw a rat. I swear I saw it. So, <laughs> fun fact. Uh, so, I had never seen a rat uh, until I was 22 years old. Uh, out, I was actually in New York, but I also... There's a lot of rats there. Yeah. It's difficult not to see a rat in New York. It looked like a cat. It was huge. Yeah, they're pretty big. Um, are you sure you didn't see a cat? I this didn't like see a cat. I saw a rat. I know I saw a rat. It wasn't a mouse. It wasn't a squirrel. I'm good at identifying animals. I saw a rat. So, unlike you, many Albertans are not great at identifying animals. <laughs> and this led 
to a kind of hilarious incident where, uh, after rats were reported in a small Alberta community, a bunch of uh, civic-minded citizens took up their rakes and baseball bats and uh, gardening implements and went out to the back alleys and started bludgeoning all kinds of rodents to death because they didn't know what rats look like. Horrifying for rodents that day. I mean, I don't know what rats look like, but I'm sure I could identify one if I saw one. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're a little bit different from mice, a little bigger, scarier. They have a tail, a long tail. Long tail, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're ugly. Long and naked tail. um. Long naked tail, fuzzy little horrible rat body, rat face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There you go. Does that sum it up? That does. Yeah. It's a good visual. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a rat body with a rat face and a rat tail. <laughs> That's a rat. <laughs> I am the king of tautologies. Why? Because I am the king of tautologies. <laughs> so bringing it back, though, why did Alberta feel the need to do this? So Alberta is a major agricultural producer, mm-hmm. and Norway rats had not made its way across the North American continent from where they had boarded ships and, and scurried across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, they basically uh, infested farms starting on the east coast of the United States and uh, making their way slowly across the continent. Uh, When rats reached Saskatchewan in the 1930s and 40s, they started wrecking major ecological and agricultural devastation, Mm -hmm. uh, costing billions of dollars in today's money because once rats infest a silo, that is not saleable product anymore. Yeah, rats, and Norway rats in particular, are one of the most destructive rodent species out there. Um, They can't even survive without a human population to host them, essentially. Like, they are parasitic, if you can put it that way. And the amount of damage they can cause is just devastating. They ruin crops, they ruin buildings, they get down, they burrow around, they create all kinds of problems. They can undermine foundations. Like, that's how destructive these things are. so Norway rats, overall, not that cool. No. <laughs> so this brings us to the current day. So the, the rats, the rat patrol, the rats were like eradicated from the very southern tip of Alberta in, in the, the 1950s. Uh, eventually, the uh, government of Alberta passes something called the Turn Off the Taps legislation. So we're jumping ahead to the heady days of the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Way de- ahead. Yeah, a decade that you may be familiar with from mm-hmm. living in it mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Uh, when Alberta seemed to have a problem getting its oil to tidewater, because Alberta, as one of Canada's two landlocked provinces, did not have access to the shipping ports it needed to export its oil to China. This is a big deal because Alberta was dependent on what is called the North American spot price for oil, which is generally quite a bit lower than the uh, world market price for oil, uh, which for tight oil, like Alberta's uh, bituminous oil sands, uh, is is actually quite a problem because it costs a lot to extract. Mm -hmm. It does. I can confirm that. I worked in the oil sands for a number of years before going to law school. So... Um, what did you do in the oil sands? <laughs> I drove a uh, giant uh, heavy hauler. So if anyone's familiar with that, it is a huge piece of equipment. Um, it's basically like a golf cart to drive, but it's massive. It's the size of a house. You have to go up not one, but two ladders to get to the cab. And I just drove it back and forth all day in the coke pits, which is less glamorous than it even sounds. <laughs> <laughs> It does not sound fun. It was not fun. No. No. Uh, Nevertheless, Alberta still wants to buy the world a Coke. Well, I mean, kind of. of. Uh, Yeah, so Alberta and all of Canada is heavily reliant on the oil that Alberta, of course, produces. So this whole problem with the pipelines is not just a problem for Alberta. It's a problem for everybody in Canada and even in the global market. So, once upon a time, there was a man named Ralph Klein, and Ralph Klein was the leader of Alberta. Yes. And he, uh, uh, on hearing that uh, the Easterners 
were concerned about oil shipments, uh, famously said, let the eastern bastards freeze in the dark. <laughs> Sounds like a line from Game of Thrones. Uh, yes, but it was only 1990s Alberta politics. <laughs> <laughs> Similar. Which uh, is distinguished from Game of Thrones mainly by the fact that Game of Thrones actually has competition for power and 1990s Alberta <laughs> did not. <laughs> uh, well, Ralph Klein has come up, and so we're going to take a little break from this story because what do you do when Ralph Klein comes up in a story? You honor his legacy by drinking. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> What's on the docket next? So, the national beverage of Norway is a spirit known as Akavit. Uh, A-K-V-A-V-I-T. That first V is more of a U than a V, but Akavit. Uh, it is a neutral spirit flavored with either caraway or dill. Sometimes both, but those are less good. Panit, have you ever tried Akavit before? No, I haven't. This is my first time. Mine too. So, Akavit uh, is something that traditionally has only been made in Scandinavia, uh, including one type of Akavit that has an amusing Australian connection, where a guy thought, ooh, you know who will love Akavit? Australians. And he put all the Akavit onto a boat. But see, I, I brought this connection up earlier. You guys thought I was crazy. It was because of the skull. Oh. There you are. It's all become full circle now. So that guy wasn't as crazy as he sounded. He made the same connection I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Australians didn't, and no one bought any Akavit. <laughs> <laughs> and so after shipping it there, uh, you know, oak barrels on the top of a, a ship's deck, uh, and then kind of sitting around in Sydney Harbor for a year, uh, they were all shipped back to Norway. Oh, for shame. Uh, but the trip there and back across the equator had done something magical to the Akavit, uh, kind of aging it in oak casks. Uh, so we are going to start with an aged Akavit. This one is by Deep Cove Distillers. So yes, right here in North Vancouver District, uh, a small batch, 42% alcohol by volume. Uh, it is a Scandinavian-inspired spirit distilled with caraway seed, lemongrass, fennel, and chamomile. Now, this one is very dark in color. It looks like a whiskey, mm -hmm. um, which is in contrast to the other bottle of Akavit we have here, which is extremely light, clear, looks like a gin or vodka. So is this one kind of inspired by your Australian story? I would imagine that... Yes, because like traditionally you wouldn't age an Akavit. You would like just okay. infuse it like a gin. Mm -hmm. um, but like aging the Akavit became more of a thing after Linny uh, line or equator. Akavit became more popular uh, and they discovered that like wood has flavors in it that are okay. sometimes nice. Okay. That's I like that sound. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we have our aged Akavit. Yes, uh, you can enjoy it with soda water. I would recommend just taking a tiny little sip of it uh, before adding the soda water, uh, just to get an idea of what it feels like. Well, skull. Skull. <laughs> Panit's reaction was the best, I think, of all of ours. What do you think? Um, that is strong. It's strong. Strong. <laughs> Well, I would normally just take something like this as a shot, so I don't taste it. But it's a first for me to sip on hard alcohol like this. <laughs> so on Panit's, its own. But it's not only a first time Alberta, she's also a first time sipper. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of firsts here. <laughs> well, I have to say, I am pleasantly surprised. I actually really like this. I think it's very, very smooth. Um, it burns off very quickly. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of aftertaste. It's good. Like, I, I really like this. I think the, the cleanness of the aftertaste uh, comes from the chamomile. Like, I think it, like, mellows out into that kind of neutral tea flavor yeah. that uh, caraway doesn't have. So, like, 
caraway can linger on your, your tongue for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the chamomile provides that nice back end to the taste. It does. It actually does, for sure. And I think you nailed it, because I do taste both the caraway and the chamomile, and they're balancing each other out in there. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice like woody overtone to everything, mm-hmm. kind of like drinking a cello. Mm-hmm. Well, I like it. I am just going to drink it straight. I think it's really nice, but I think that Puneet probably wants a little bit of um, soda water added. Yes, please. <laughs> it's not bad, though. I like it. Yeah. Well, try with the soda water. See what you think there. Yeah, like maybe I would drink this. It's, it's not the worst. <laughs> That's a that's a strong endorsement from Panit. Yes. That's all you're going to get with me. I can't offer much more. Well, we'll try this one against the other version and kind of see what we what we like, which Akavit reigns supreme. Well, the thing that is on offer from Alberta right now is a hilarious piece of legislation. Uh, the turn off the taps legislation. So this is part of a suite of mechanisms that Alberta is trying to use to basically cause BC to experience enough pain, economically, socially, whatever, uh, to submit to Albertans' desire to get a pipeline built to Tidewater. This has taken a number of forms. You know, you're listening to this podcast, so maybe you remember the liquor manifestation of this, the wine war of 2018. Oh, yes. I remember. So uh, that was when Alberta's government uh, liquor wholesaler decided it was not going to buy Albertan, or sorry, British Columbia wines anymore, uh, which, as it turns out, is like 1% of our GDP is Mm -hmm. just wine, uh, which I thought was was quite remarkable. And... uh, and that eventually did get resolved after, like, some hilarious advertising in papers by the Alberta and BC governments. But I mean, politicians are children. Yeah, and I mean, really, I don't think that the wine ban really had too much of an impact besides just being very annoying and probably very um, painful for some particular people. But it didn't make the kind of gouge in the economy that I think Alberta wanted it to make. No, and I think that, like, in terms of economic targeting, it wasn't well done uh, because they were targeting people who were probably BC Liberal supporters anyway, and their uh, party was not in power. I think that if they wanted to target opponents of the uh, the pipeline, maybe actually BC Craft Beer, which is located in the Lower Mainland predominantly, uh, and in Vancouver Island might have been a better choice. However, who's to say, and the Alberta NDP lost the election anyway, so who cares? Right. (laughs) That is, of course, shot one in uh, this ongoing battle. Shot two was a piece of legislation called the Turn Off the Taps legislation, which basically enabled the Alberta government to stop exports of, uh, through like export control permits, uh, exports of both unrefined oil, bilbit, and uh, refined petroleum products to British Columbia. So Mm -hmm. most of BC's oil products, both gasoline, kerosene, which we need very badly for the planes, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, heating oil all come from Alberta. Yes. And I mean, that's a lot more painful for us as British Columbians. Yes. Um, it's, it's, we need, whether you like it or not, we need oil. Um, and mm-hmm. we're highly reliant and dependent upon oil and kerosene and all of those oil products that Alberta produces. So without Albertan oil, we as British Columbians are left in the lurch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think we can all speak to that when we go to the pumps and fill up our vehicles. Because what's mm-hmm. oil now here in? 170. <sighs> oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Bad times. So... This is just one more factor, I think, leading to that yeah. horrible inflation in oil prices. I have so many thoughts on that one, but that's not, <laughs> not for this episode. Uh, the Turn Off the Taps legislation was a little weird because uh, it actually gives us a chance to talk about some of the coming into force 
issues. So originally, Rachel Notley's government passed it, uh, but they didn't have it go to the lieutenant governor for royal assent. Right. It's kind of hanging out. Yeah. It's chilling. And D.C., having seen this, I think, like, personally, and, and correct me if I'm, like, totally off base here, but, like, prima facie unconstitutional legislation because mm-hmm. it's just designed to punish D.C. It's mm-hmm. like, what if we just shot a bunch of nuclear waste at Saskatchewan? Like, it's... <laughs> well, it's not that level. However, I do have to laugh at the lawyers who are trying to defend this particular piece of legislation uh, in saying that it's not the specifically, not specifically targeted at BC. It's not I, specifically Pacific. Yeah, like I mean, how can you even make that argument with a straight face, even as a lawyer? You know, we do all kinds of things. Botox. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any amount of Botox would, would would save a person from that one. But it, it would. It's it's very curious. It's a curious thing, and it, I don't think it would stand constitutional muster. However. It still is there. Yeah. So, Jason Kenney, upon having been elected the new Premier of Alberta, Mm -hmm. passed the legislation again, uh, the House having been dissolved uh, in the interim for the election, and then it actually went to royal assent. So John Horgan sues again, the Premier of BC sues for the second time. The first time, the Supreme Court told him to fuck off because it wasn't an actual law that he could challenge yet. Because it's not a law until the Queen says it is. Mm-hmm. So, now that there is a law, there is a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is front two on this can Alberta's oil get to Tidewater and hopefully across the Tidewater to like China. Uh, <laughs> rather than just sort of into Burrard Inlet. Yeah, no, we don't want that. And I think that's one of the major concerns that British Columbians have, of course, is, you know, the safety of our waters here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a legitimate concern, particularly since our oceans are dead and dying. But we still need oil, at least for now. Yes, we do. Uh, and so that brings us to front number three, uh, a slightly better constructed version of the turn off the taps legislation, at least the idea of it, which is to harass British Columbian. I think it's kind of like a hybrid of the wine war nonsense and the turn off the taps nonsense. It's to harass British Columbia truckers and British Columbia commerce that's flowing eastward into Alberta by establishing a rat patrol equivalent. We've come all the way back. We're all the way back at the rats. But this time, it's beetles. beetles. Can you identify a beetle, Panit? I can definitely identify a beetle. Okay, perfect. How about a pine beetle specifically? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I know that the wood that they they make is blue. Like, pine beetle killed wood is blue. I've heard that too. That it turns blue. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much for not the tree that it's murdered. Yeah. Right. But yeah. yeah. So this is the new, the newest incarnation of the Alberta and BC. Will they or won't they? <laughs> yes. So uh, apparently, uh, Jason Kenney's thought is to inspect and and this also may have come from the uh deranged mind of Derek Hildebrandt the absolutely adorable right-wing asshole who leads the Freedom Conservative Party who found that Jason Kenney was not sufficiently conservative for him holy after, moly after of course being kicked out of the Conservative Party by its previous leader uh for uh basically putting his foot in his mouth too much how conservative can you get? Um, like, at some point, I just think that this guy is just like, I've decided to embrace the nonsense, like, just to fully live the... the. Uh, uh, it bothers me how cute I find him. It's so... <laughs> how cute? <laughs> oh, he is, he's very adorable. Oh, like, okay. Well, I, I think mean... we have a little crush here. This could be a problem, oh, though. Oh, it's very much a hate crush. It's, oh, hate crushes are some of the best crushes, though. So that's a little bit scary. So yes, I have a hate crush on for Derek Hildebrandt, uh, who looks 
Hopefully not like a Norway rat. Well, I mean, he's not unlike a Norway rat. Yeah, he's well-groomed. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why you might have a crush on him. <laughs> However, he sounds like a horrible individual. Oh, because he's awful. I don't know. I feel like sometimes he's when... He's like the worst person in Alberta. That's a pretty bad person yeah, this, in Alberta. This includes the person who murdered those people in that trailer home. Okay, that's a really bad wow, person, okay. and I don't think that anyone should have any kind of crush on him, even if it's a hate crush. No. So, Matthew, Bye. you are hereby prohibited from having a crush on Derek Fildebrand. All right, well, since I'm not, <laughs> since I'm not able to crush on Derek Fildebrand, I might have to crush some more Akavit. All uh, right, well, that's acceptable. <laughs> in the meantime, there has been this proposal to like harass commerce coming over the, the border from BC. This one, I think probably could pass constitutional muster. Yes, absolutely, I Why? agree. This is a specific initiative that is aimed at increasing public safety and protecting the environment in Alberta. Mm. So what we want to be doing here is inspecting specifically lumber trucks, people who are importing lumber from British Columbia into Alberta to make sure that it's free from a parasitic pine beetle that could endanger Albertans and Albertan economy. Is that a passionate enough pitch for you? Yeah. I mean, I could go further. But I think that this is the kind of law that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, yeah. And, it, like, it's basically uh, snidely whiplash, like, mm -hmm. standing with the damsel in distress environment tied on the railroad tracks with the mountain pine beetle, like, lumbering towards it and snidely holding out his hand behind his back asking for a bribe from John Horgan uh, <laughs> to basically walk away. Which is so ironic as well for a political movement or party that has absolutely no regard for the environment whatsoever, 0%, doesn't care if the world's on fire. Well, that's why they've tied it to the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. So, that's constitutional, and that makes me sad. Well, it may not be constitutional. It, it hasn't been be. challenged yet, so we're not the ultimate deciders here. No, we are not. We, we <laughs> Sarah, Puneet, and Matthew have not uh, suddenly been appointed to the vacant Supreme Court seat. Uh, <laughs> not yet, anyways. Get, yeah, get your applications in, folks. <laughs> Um, there will probably be a challenge on that. Uh, with the precedent of the rat control, though, and, like, pink margarine in, in Quebec, uh, I think it probably would pass. Uh, there, there are, like, valid agricultural and economic concerns that pine beetle causes. And, like, I remember driving through, you know, during the height of the pine beetle years, 2006, seven. Uh, in BC, and just seeing giant swaths of dead red trees, which apparently were blue on the inside. Oh, oh, they're only blue on the inside. Well, yeah. that changes things a little bit. Kind of like the Norwegian flag. Oh, here we are. Okay, are we going to try a new kind of Akavit now? We are going to try a new type of Akavit. So we've oh, been excellent. washing our cares away with caraway, and now let's swill some dill. Yay! Sheringham. You know how I feel about dill. I Anyone do. who's listened to the last still podcast. Still haven't finished. Skull. 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 Oh my god. Too bad it's not a plastic bag we could slap on. <laughs> <laughs> You're editing that out. Faux show. All of it. Yeah. All of it. All of it. I'll get it edited out. No, it's act of it. Act of it. Not all of it. Oh. <laughs> I really wish everyone could see your pants. Well, they're going to on Instagram. Yeah, oh, go yeah. check out our Instagram, Puneet. Uh, you are the uh, grand mistress of our Instagram yes. page. What is our Instagram account? I don't use Instagram. <gasps> well, you should really get Instagram. I do. It's one of the... Your, your very carefully curated and very informative Tip Tuesdays are one of the few reasons that I even bother checking it. Yes. Oh, well. Well, you can all follow. The handle is at Sarah Lehman Law. 
group. Do not forget the group. Sorry, I'll say it again. At Sarah Lehman Law Group. And we regularly post about what we're doing in the community, if there's any new laws that are out. And each week we do post a tip Tuesday. So if you're interested in anything that has to do with administrative law, driving laws, criminal laws, and even family laws. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great account. It's a great place to, I don't know, if you have questions, ask us questions. Yeah. Absolutely. We try and keep it pretty up to date. It's also very aesthetic. It's like yeah. very visually pleasing. Uh, yes. Sarah, you like to comment on the uh, presentation of the spirit. I do. What I is always this, do. Like, hyper big hip flask thing say to you? Okay, so this is the Sheringham Distillery, Vancouver Island Coastal Craft Spirits Akavit. Um, I love this bottle. I think it's so nice. It's so cute with the little cork on top and then the little, um, you know, I guess yeah i'm not even trying to describe this it's, it's it's adorable and i just think it's very pleasing what do you think Vinit? i agree with you i think that's a bottle that you could save and then put a few flowers in or you Ooh. know keep it keep interior it around. decorating i bottle. like it i like it a lot yeah i like this bottle this yeah. bottle is the winning bottle for me i don't know if it's going to be the winning spirit for me but i guess that's why we have spirits of the law to find out all right so, Matthew, do you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about this particular Akavit? Yes. So, this is, of course, batch number 1349, uh, a full 349 years after the end of the Viking Age, but uh, still clocking in at 42% alcohol by volume. This is a 2019 or 14, depending on how you read that numeral. I'm going to guess 19 because... I'm going to say it's 19. Yeah, yeah. a five-year-old spirit that is uh, unaged seems kind of silly. <laughs> uh, it describes itself as a unique and traditional Nordic spirit of unsung fortitude. Ooh. Well, they need to get some skalds on that. The skald is an Icelandic poet. Um, ooh, yeah. I'd like for you to um, try and pronounce that. Uh, we invite you to make it a Sheringham. Sorry, hashtag make it a Sheringham. Oh, I thought it was a different... Okay. Makita. <laughs> I was like, I think that's a Norwegian word. Maybe have a go at it. Never mind. It's uh, just a hashtag. <laughs> yep. So this spirit was the winner of CASC's Canadian Artisan Spirit of the Year. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. Exciting. That's an unfair advantage, I think, going in. Like, now we, we are kind of primed up to think that this has to be the winner. It's won some awards. Yes, but now then will we judge it more harshly? Ooh, we, yeah. All prejudice right. works in both directions. Very true. Let's pour it and find out. But that is, of course, uh, one of the things we do here at Sarah Lehman Law Group is always be on the lookout for prejudice in our criminal law cases. If you have been alleged uh, to have committed some crimes, please do call us. You are worthy of a vigorous and full-throated defense. 604-900-9211. Okay. Now that the sales pitch has gone out, let's drink. Skull. Skull. That one didn't even make it to Panit's mouth. No, it hasn't. <laughs> the smell. The smell. Yeah. It's a very strong smell. Very, very it's strong. Very smell. dilly. It's yeah. I don't know if I can do this. This is like paint thinner smell. Yeah. But just get it right is in there. Toxic. Oh no no no! It's like it, it's actually way less. It's like a it's like it punches you in the nose while gently caressing you with dill fronds. I agree. It is on the tongue. Very dilly on the tongue. Uh oh, needs <laughs> not sure. <laughs> yeah, might need to add some soda to that Akavit. Definitely need some soda. I almost prefer the first one over this. Immediately. Yeah. Okay. I think it's. It just smells toxic, and I can't get over that. Oh, the yeah. odor is a problem. It's a real problem. So my family traditionally drinks Akavit at Christmas. We get the good stuff, the Vinny, and which. Still gets shipped to Australia and back for no reason. Oh, wow. Well, we're talking about environmental issues a little bit here. I think that that could be one of them. I know. They've got to build a pipeline. 
an Akavit pipeline. (laughs) (laughs) So they're shipping it to Australia and then back to Norway Norway just to age it in that process. Yeah. That's amazing. Is that their way of like a sales pitch? Like that it's authentic? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we are going to repeat this Norwegian mistake over and over and over again for every bottle of this booze. Uh, and then we're going to fly it to you in Seattle. Wow. wow that makes no sense, but yeah. I guess it works for them. I had to go, like, for the longest time, because this this uh, particular spirit didn't have any French on it, it only had English and Norwegian, uh, it wasn't allowed to be sold in Canada, and so they like hadn't gotten their act together and hadn't translated the bottle into French. Mm. So it's a Lin, not Linny. Oh, oh my! Okay. okay. Uh, and uh, and so I I would go down to Seattle and buy it for before Christmas while I was an undergrad nice. uh, to bring back for my family. Okay. Get to get back to this um, Akavit. I'm almost tasting like a licorice aftertaste. I don't know if. That would be this, yes, that would be the star anise, which is an ingredient, yes, in this bottle. Oh, okay, so this is cool. Um, There is some caraway, and I was was thinking that there was probably some caraway. It's, like, very, very Mm -hmm. dill-forward, but it still has that, like, nice little spur that caraway brings to stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, The other uh, botanicals that are included are... Angelica, uh, from Rugrats fame, uh, star anise, lemon, orris root, and locally hand-harvested sustainable winged kelp. Oh my. That's interesting. Yep. I mean, it is nice. It's, I agree with Puneet that the smell is a little bit horrifying at the beginning, but it is quite smooth, and it is dill-forward, and I love dill, so... This is a nice bottle, and it's visually pleasing to me when I look at it, so it's all right. So, like, I I almost think that, like, the average of these two would be kind of my ideal, or at least my my platonic form of Akavit, uh, which probably, like, trends very close to the one that my family had me grow up uh, first smelling and then drinking, because, you know... Mm no alcohol for Myers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely something that we upheld at Christmas. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's this one is like interesting because it has a little bit more of that punch, that kick, that like fiery burn that I think a good Akavit should have a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was like so smooth, and uh, I felt a little robbed of the like burn that. I associate with uh, a good Akavit. Yeah, and I think that they hold true to their appearance. You know, when I see, like, a vodka bottle, you're thinking that, like, paint thinner kind of smell, and then also the acidity and the burn on your tongue because it is such a strong spirit, whereas a whiskey or a scotch is so much smoother, nicer, easier to drink and sip on. So I think that they are kind of you know, lending themselves to their visual appearance. So in this way, you can judge a book by a cover. I agree with that. Yeah. 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 But who will reign supreme? Well, we'll have to find out a little bit later. I do definitely think Oh, no, wait! Oh. Are you going to reign supreme right now? No, 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 no. I was going (laughs) to say that we definitely need to keep this to put some puns in. Oh, yeah. I really like this. Okay, we'll keep some puns in it. So, Matthew, drink it. And then bring it Challenge back. Bring accepted. it back. Yeah, bring it bring back. It back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so Sovereign Wealth Fund is essentially a country's version of a teacher's pension fund. That's what I understand it as. Right? Am I correct? No. 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 That right. sounds about right. Yeah. Right? So they're taking a bunch of their money and they're investing it around the world and they're getting a pretty decent return out of it. Norway last year got 9.6%. Roughly, yes. Oh, Roughly, there we go. Yeah, nine point six percent, and that's a good return. That's a good return. So they're doing well. But what what do they do with it? What do they do with it? M- more importantly, it, the most important thing is where the money comes from. Okay. Uh, and that is from Norway's oil revenues. Oh, okay. So Alberta and BC both have their um, kind of 
pale stepchildren of, of this fund. Alberta has the Heritage Fund. BC has the New Prosperity Fund, uh, which... Sounds scary. Yeah. Sounds like mildly Orwellian. Yeah. <laughs> just, just imagine Premier Clark's smiling face plastered over some kind of neo-Stalinist and you're being, welcome to New Prosperity. But uh, uh, theoretically, all the money from our... LNG exploits would go into the New Prosperity Fund. Norway uh, basically managed theirs well, and so they have something like 9 trillion kroner, which very conveniently works out to $1 trillion. Okay, so Uh, they've done well. Yes. So they have roughly an apple uh, of money just sort of invested in like thousands of companies around the world, including like 350 in Canada. Okay. And when I say an apple of money, I mean like Apple the company. Yes. Right. Yeah. We got that. We got for that. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not like, you know, the Salish or um, the Granny Smith. No. No Granny Smith no granny apples Smith. around here. Yeah. Mm-mm. No Macintoshes. No. Nothing like that. Unless, of course, they're distilled into Applejack, which we'll cover in a future episode. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Um, well, I, I just thought that it is interesting to take a look at what Norway did with their sovereign wealth fund compared to what Alberta did. Uh, we have like this sheaf of articles, Canada versus Norway, the Petropath not taken, what Norway did with its oil and we didn't. Yeah, this is serious. <laughs> The debate over the legal status of the Northwest Passage. We've changed topics. Oh, no. All right. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, so Norway has a trillion dollars, and Alberta has, in its piggy bank, 17 billion. And that is not very much. Disappointing. Yeah. Comparatively so. Yeah. So what are they doing wrong? They're basically allowing themselves to take money out of the piggy bank. Oh, no, no, no. That is so the first rule to not great investing. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, so they're they're taking their principal, they're shaving it off, they're uh, using it to fund operational funding. Uh, BC had historically not even bothered to have a sovereign wealth fund for its non-renewable resources, uh, like, you know, minerals. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, BC is a major player, uh, and and so that money is gone. It's just gone. All mining royalties that BC might have saved for future generations, it's it's gone. Much like uh, Puneet after having drank too much of this dill Akavit. You you have a sip of it, and I feel like I'm. Like I almost recover, and then there's like a like an aftertaste that kind of like you know, yeah, it hits you all over again. It does. Yeah, it really warms you up. It really does in a scary way, in a very scary way. Yeah, yeah. Not pretty. No. Well, some of us can't appreciate the Nordic stark minimalism of uh, mid-century modern Scandinavian design. But apparently not. I think you need to have me back on this podcast when you're tasting tequila. Oh, yes. tequila girl here. Tequila. I can handle tequila, so call me back. Well, let's go, Yalisco. Uh, in the meantime, a couple tens of thousands of kilometers away sits the five million person country of the Kingdom of Norway, ruled over by a hack on of some number uh a hackon is a name of a king okay yeah they're all hackons so far as i know maybe an olaf thrown in there for good measure of course <laughs> we all need an olaf yeah. yeah well olafter is the best medicine <laughs> <laughs> there we are and perhaps we should finish elegance and then make a determination about which of these two we want to have a second of Mm -hmm. i think that might be butcher but i'll try (laughs) do you do you want some soda water yes will you dill or do you pray for caraway the akavit 
adventure is complete. Funny, I have a suspicion that you may have already made up your mind. So why don't you cast your vote first between the Sheringham Distilleries, Vancouver Island Activate, Coastal Craft Spirits, and Deep Cove Distillers, Barrel Aged Akavit. I'm going to go with the Deep Cove Barrel Aged Akavit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with that one. Um, it, it was a bit much at first when it first hits your tongue for me, but it didn't have that like toxic kind of smell to it, which made it a lot more bearable. And I'm not going to lie, the aftertaste for me wasn't that bad. With the Sheringham, I found not only the smell to be too much, but then it also, the the licorice or what did we just it was? It was actually star anise. Star anise. Mm -hmm. I think that was too much for me. It was quite overpowering. Yeah. Okay. Matthew, what are your thoughts? This is difficult, uh, but I'm going to have to... I'm going to vote for the Sheringham. Oh. Why? No, I'm not. Uh, oh, oh! Oh, no! You're an undecided voter! You're the expert here. I don't know. The three of us. I think, that, I think you need to make your vote and stick with it, and I, I feel like you can't waffle. You're a waffler now. Yeah. And um, uh, Norway has its own special kind of waffle iron, uh, the Krimkaka, which I have one of because... It did not spark joy in my aunt, so now I have it. <laughs> well, don't be a crimcaca, and you're going to have to figure this out. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe I will defer my vote for a second, because <gasps> I also have a suspicion, Sarah, lover of dill, sharing uh, ham, or deep cove. Okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to be a any type of waffle. I'm going to just fully make my decision and I'm going for the Deep Cove. Really? Ooh, that was a twist. For sure. I'm a dill lover. I'm a huge dill lover and I understand that the Sheringham won some awards but I am not going to give it my award tonight. I think that the Deep Cove is the finer of the two and perhaps that's based just solely on the fact that I really like whiskeys and scotches over gins and vodkas. Um, I think it's much smoother. It's easier to drink. I enjoyed it more on its own for a sipping liqueur liquor <laughs> spirit a sipping spirit and so this is the one that i would absolutely recommend and pick i'm very torn because neither of them really live up to my idea of what a good akavit is but uh, you're the tiebreaker now i am the tiebreaker except no i'm not because you both, both voted for deep oh never mind <laughs> <laughs> and that's what akavit does to you yes <laughs> You know what? Just based solely on their quality as drinks, if I didn't know they were trying to be Akavit, uh, because like that, that imports a whole bunch of family drama and whatever to, I don't know, it's very important that you have to go to the States to get the thing and people don't have the Akavit, it's not really Christmas and uh -oh. seven vegetables, goddammit, and you know, whatever. Uh, Deep Cove is better. It is better. It's better. It oh, tastes better. Unanimous okay. vote for Deep Cove. Wow. That's it. I think it's the first time this has ever happened on our podcast. It is. Yes. Well, go. It's a clear winner. Yeah, it's yeah. a clear winner, except it's slightly amber colored. It is, yeah. Uh, the clear vodka did not win. Although I do really like that there's kelp in it. Like the one that's that great. Yeah. I agree. There's kelp in it. I like the bottle better, but at the end of the day, the Deep Cove is just the better of the two. It, oh, that fi the finish, the chamomile finish, I think really is the thing that sold it for me because it like comes in with like a little kick, not very much, not very much. It's not like a super uh, punch swinging Viking. It's more of a, you know, dignified Norwegian royal family kind of uh, beverage. So. Deep Cove Distillers, congratulations. Uh, Jason Kenny, congratulations pending. Let's uh, pour another drink. Yeah, yeah, let's pour another drink. Thank you for joining us on Spirits of the Law. Spirits of the Law is a production of the Sarah Lehman Law Group, a criminal and family defense firm in downtown Vancouver. 
where Puneet and I work as articled students, and Sarah Lehman is our managing partner, founder, queen. Queen. I'll go with queen. queen. I think she likes that. I like it. Yeah. I'll drink to that. And one final time, everyone. Go! <laughs> There's so much Woo! energy in that. Skull! <laughs> Skull! <laughs>